Viewer discretion is advised. on the news to where we almost become sick of them. What happened to the stories that dominated the news for such a long time? Did they ever figure out what the actor or actress's death was caused by? Who was the killer in that string of murders? Does the mythical creature exist or was it created by someone simply seeking attention? How did that person die? What's the real story behind it and why didn't we hear about it? Welcome to the aftermath where we try to tie up the loose ends to the stories we watch so intently on TV and never heard an answer to because life just smacked us in the face with more happenings. Forgotten story. Ted Kaczynski, May 25th, 1978. It was a mail parcel left on the campus of the University of Illinois, Chicago, wrapped in a brown paper bag. The return address on the parcel was of a professor at Northwestern University. Two addresses. He was really going to get someone. Douche alert, douche alert, the douche bag has entered the building. Repeat, the douche bag has entered the building. School officials returned the package to Northwestern. That's not what you want. Where it exploded. This is gonna suck causing minor damage. May 9th, 1979. A pipe bomb was placed in a room at Northwestern University. A Northwestern graduate student picked up the bomb. It exploded, injuring him. Dude. November 15th. A bomb explodes aboard American Airlines Flight 444 en route from Chicago to Washington. Although the plane landed safely, 12 passengers were treated for smoke inhalation. Investigators later determined that the bomb was inside a mail parcel in the cargo section of the plane. They later determined that the package was mailed from Elgin, Illinois. What the fuck? June 3rd, 1980. Percy Wood, the president of United Airlines, receives a letter in the mail. The letter informed him that he would soon be receiving a book of social significance. It was signed Enoch W. Fisher. Oh, no. A week later, on June 10th, Wood received a hollowed-out copy of Ice Brothers by Sloan Wilson. When he opened the book, it exploded. Oh, no. Injuring him. A case file was opened, and the case was called Unabomb. According to FBI's six letter naming convention, UNA stood for United Airlines because of the design similarities between the Wood Bomb and a Flight 444 bombing. They attributed the two bombs to the same actor. Eventually, they also included two Northwestern bombings to the Unabomber as well. Eat a dick. The investigation quickly expanded into Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. The return address on the first mail bomb, Northwestern University, and United Airlines, the closest attention was focused on university students. October 8th, 1981. A University of Utah student stumbles across a large package outside of a university computer mainframe room. Really? Apparently, the package had been there for some time. The student moved it then became suspicious and contacted university security. Security officials determined the package contained a pipe bomb and a can of gasoline. It also contained another reference to FC, 
Security officials took the device into a woman's restroom and blew it up. They then contacted the Unabomb task force. 911, what's your emergency? May 1982. Patrick C. Fisher, a professor at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee, receives a device in the mail. Oh, really? It was sent to his former address at Penn State University and forwarded to his office at Vanderbilt. No, Daniel. He had not worked at Penn State for two years. The return address was that of a professor at the University of Utah, and it had been mailed from Utah's Brigham Young University. Oh, shit. Fisher's secretary opened the package and was injured when it exploded. This sink trap device had wooden end plugs. I'm so tired. <laughs> July 2nd, 1982. Victim picks up a device in the teacher's lounge at the University of California at Berkeley. <laughs> and was slightly injured when it exploded. Although the device had a handle and complicated-looking dials, these were basically for show. Why, God, why? It was another pipe bomb inside of a gasoline can. Oh, but these shoot the fuck. The bomb bore another FC. What? The device included a note which read, Woo, it works. I told you it would, RV. End quote. The unique FC was again included in the device. The note was associated with a serial bomber because it was typed on the same type of newspaper used as an electrical insulator in the device. Well, on TV sports. May 1985, the bomber struck again. Oh no. He returns to the same building in Berkeley, this time placing a device in the computer study area. This is gonna suck. He really wasn't a fan of Berkeley, apparently. A graduate student picked up the device and it exploded, causing serious injury. This device was interesting, as it was the first pipe bomb device used. <laughs> or a pipe bomb. Both metal caps, as opposed to the wooden caps, which are less destructive. In a previous device, he was getting better at this bomb-making shit. Fantastic! Investigators arrived quickly to the Berkeley site. While they were there, they received word from Boeing Corporation's fabrication plant near Seattle, Washington, that a device had been received in the mail. It had been sitting in their receiving office for nearly a month, untouched, until someone opened it. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Talk about luck. The device did not explode. <laughs> you suck. Apparently, it was because the batteries were dried up while it sat untouched. Must have been those cheap batteries. The local bomb squad took pictures of it and then took it out back and countercharged it, detonating it. Again, FC was included in the device. You smell like dick. It also used the Unabomber's twin initiator construction. For those keeping count, that was including students and alumni of at least five universities and employees and customers of at least three companies. November 1985. Professor James McConnell receives a letter and a parcel at his home in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It was supposedly from Ralph Kloppenberg. Who the hell are you? A PhD candidate at the University of Utah specializing in the history of science. The letter stated that Kloppenberg wanted McConnell to review his thesis, contained an endorsed parcel with special attention to chapters 11 and 12. That's great. McConnell's student secretary opened the parcel and was injured when it exploded. December 11, 1985, the Unabomber claimed his first fatality. Let's face it, the Unabomber was a dickhead. Hugh Scrutton was behind a strip mall in Sacramento, California. He apparently bent over to pick up a package in a parking lot when the parcel exploded. He was killed. 
February 1987, the bombing spree maimed another victim. Two witnesses saw a man walk into a parking lot behind Cam's Incorporated, another computer rental store in residential Salt Lake City, Utah. He placed a wooden device in an empty parking space and then walked away around 11 a.m. And Gary Wright, the owner of Cam's, drove up and spotted the device in his parking space. He stopped short, got out of his car, kicked the device, and it exploded, severing a nerve in Wright's arm. Witnesses assisted in providing the first sketch of the Unabomber. They're gonna catch you. 1993 to 1995, six years after the last bomb, June 22, 1993, geneticist Charles Epstein received a manila envelope mailed to his home in Tiburon, California. Epstein opened the envelope and it exploded injuring him. Two days later, Professor David Gelertner, a computer scientist at Yale University, receives a similar package at his office in New Haven, Connecticut. He opened the package and it exploded, injuring him. No, 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 no. Both packages had been mailed on June 18th from Sacramento, California. He was now constructing a more compact, more lethal version of the devices he sent in the 1980s. He was getting very good at this. December 10, 1994. The next year, the second Unabomber victim was killed. Advertising executive Thomas Mosser opened a parcel he received at his North Caldwell, New Jersey home. It exploded and he was killed. The package had been mailed from San Francisco, California a week earlier, April 24, 1995. Four months later, the Unabomber claimed his final victim, Gilbert Murray, the president of the California Forestry Association. He opened a parcel on April 24, 1995, sent to the association's office, addressed to his predecessor, William Dennison, and it exploded upon opening. Murray was killed. June 28, 1995. The New York Times and Washington Post received copies of a 35,000-word manifesto which called for the revolution against corrupt industrial technology society. What's up, boys? After following it to the FBI, the two newspapers announced publicly that they had confirmed that it was from the Unabomber. The author volunteered that if one of the two newspapers would publish his manifesto, he would stop killing. Liar. He claimed he represented a group known as FC. No. The Washington Post eventually published it on September 19, 1995. Following a lead given by his brother, Oh, brother. Federal agents raided the rural Montana home. Who? Ha! where Theodore John Kaczynski, seizing him and placing him under arrest. He was held in custody for 15 months while questions of the venue and other pretrial matters were sorted out. The trial was set to begin Monday, December 29, 1997, in Sacramento, California, before the district court in the Eastern District of Columbia. The aftermath. Following his guilty plea in January 1998, he is put in an isolated cell in a supermax prison in Colorado. The homegrown terrorist responded in only the way he could to a Harvard reunion query called by his current occupation as prisoner, end quote. And his eight life sentences as, quote, awards, end quote. Kaczynski was arraigned in Sacramento, the home of his third and final murder victim, and charged with multiple counts related to his numerous bombing attacks. He rejected an insanity plea, but later attempted suicide in his jail cell in the in early 1998, which resulted in a psychiatric evaluation. Kaczynski was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. As a result, Kaczynski was offered a plea bargain, which allowed him to avoid the death penalty. January 22, 1998, Kaczynski pleads guilty to his crimes and accepts eight life sentences without the possibility of parole. 
Bye-bye. Kaczynski was remanded to the United States Penitentiary Administrative Maximum Facility, ADX, in Florence, Colorado, known as the Alcatraz of the Rockies, where he spends 23 hours a day secluded in his cell. The Unabomber's later life and friendship with the Oklahoma City bomber. He struck up friendships with eerily similar fellow ADX prison mates, the Oklahoma City bomber, Timothy McVeigh, and the 1993 World Trade Center bomber, Ramzi Yousef. Kaczynski also writes letters to thousands of pen pals on the outside. This daily human contact is strikingly different from his life before prison. A former recluse and survivalist who lived alone in the mountains of Montana, Kaczynski has adapted well to his 12 by 7 foot prison cell, which is not all that smaller from by his 12 by 10 foot primitive cabin. Interestingly enough, Kaczynski's cabin in its entirety was housed in the museum in Washington, D.C., on loan from the FBI as a part of the, quote, Inside Today's FBI, end quote, exhibition. Today, the Harvard-educated national merit finalist and mathematics prodigy, with an IQ of 167, still contacts the media from behind bars regularly. The story of his three-year-long participation in a Harvard psychological experiment headed by Henry Murray aimed to discover the limits of psychotic deconstruction through weekly encounters with humiliation continues to garner interest. Indeed, some suggest this experiment may have caused lifelong damage to young Kaczynski, who entered Harvard on a scholarship at age 16, described this as, quote, the worst experience of his life, end quote. Kaczynski remains adamant that he is not mentally ill, and he still reaches out to followers around the world sharing letters and stories. Special thanks to lawcornell.edu, the FBI.gov, biography.com. I'm Dan Hudson. Hope you guys have a great week. Peace. Peace.